0: Welcome to The Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Now, we've already had a great time of service. Wasn't that great by the worship team? And Gary, thank you for leading us in communion, a powerful time. If you can tell, that was not Gary's first time preaching to you, you could tell. I almost was like, keep going, just, just continue in a sermon, keep going for us. I'll take the, the morning off, gladly. But we're glad that you're here. As we're, we're today starting a brand new series, a new series of talks, that's right. And we finished last week, if you missed it, we finished our Write the Vision series in the book of Habakkuk to start the year. And uh, we had some amazing stories and testimonies that we heard last week. And we actually finished that series by sharing what is the vision statement of the gathering. And you know, We talk about our mission statement all the time, belong, believe, become. But what is our vision? What is that leading to? And we said the vision statement of the, of the gathering is that we gather to see souls transformed, hearts changed, and lives renewed by the presence of God. That's why we gather together so that God can do what only he can do. We make people feel like they belong and can believe and become so that God can do the hard part. He can do the the increase. And so last week we finished chapter 3 of Habakkuk. And we talked about the praise and the prayer that we give to God. And going along with that topic of praise, you know, praise and prayer can go hand in hand. It it led me into this direction for the next few weeks to continue talking about the concept of of praise. and, And talking about how we can worship God. Obviously, we can talk about worship in a lot of different ways. Worship is not just singing songs, right? Worship is in how we give. It's how we use our time to worship God. It's when we work, we honor and glorify God in our work. But we're going to specifically look at the power of worship and the power of our voice. That is the, the title for this series, The Voice, are you, are you familiar with maybe something called The Voice? Right, uh, there's a, a popular TV show where these four artists or celebrity singers um, they will try to recruit different singers uh, that they think have the potential to be the best of the best. They've got the best voice, and I want you to know that you don't have to have the best voice to give God your best worship. Okay, you you can actually have you can be tone deaf and still give God the best worship because God doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the inside. A couple of people are like, amen, thank you, God. Thank you for for looking past my faults and my struggles. But he gives us, you know, there's power in our voice. The Bible says there's the power of life and death in our voice. So how are we using our voice to praise and to glorify God? There's power in our voice. Today we're going to look at starting with some different songs throughout the next couple weeks, some different songs in the Bible of worship how we can worship God with our voice. And today we're going to start with the very first song that we see in the Bible. The first time that we see the words song or sang in the Bible. And it's when Moses and the Israelites have just escaped the Egyptians. The Egyptians have been following them as they've, they've led out of Egypt. They've led out of slavery. And, and now the Egyptians are falling behind the Israelites, attempting to chase them down to turn them around and bring them back to Egypt. Uh, But while God parted the Red Sea for the Israelites, there's a few people that got that joke. I don't know if you know the Chase Me Down song, but if not, it's okay. But while God parted the Red Sea for the Israelites, he then closed it up to destroy the Egyptians and to save Moses and his chosen people. And so today we are reading that story, that song that followed after the Egyptians were destroyed by God. You can read with me from Exodus chapter 14. This is the very end of Exodus 14, and then we'll look at 15 for today. The last two verses of Exodus 14 say this, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So Israel sees their enemy destroyed. They see the undeniable power of God, and they fear God. They believe in him. And then what does it say happens right after that to start the chapter 15, verse 1? It says, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. His horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. Chapter 15 starts with the word, then. Meaning, as a result, Moses and the people sang to the Lord because of the great strength that God had shown. He had triumphed gloriously. The reason that the song sprang up is because of the triumph of God. And so today's message is we're looking at the song of triumph. What happens when we sing a song of triumph? What are some elements, some aspects that we should keep in mind when we sing a song of triumph to God? The song is a response to God's saving power, it's a song of triumph, exaltation, and glory. And so we're going to look at that first verse again. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there if you haven't already. We've got it up on the screen. And as always, if you like the sermon outline, you want to follow along with what we're talking about, we have that available on the, the Uversion Bible app. You can search under the Discover part and find the Gathering Church, or you can find us on the Church Center on the bottom of that homepage. That's the sermon outline. Re- read that verse again. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing... The Lord. This was not a selection of people who engaged in singing. It says, it says, Moses and the people sang to the Lord. This wasn't just a choir of people that could sing that they put together. This was everyone, right? This is the entire nation. Didn't matter if you had perfect pitch or you were tone-deaf, you were singing in praises a song of triumph to the Lord. It says, the people of Israel sang. To the Lord. And I hope that you know that when we get together on Sunday morning and we get to worship together for 20 or 30 minutes, we have the privilege to sing to the Lord. It says there, they sang to the Lord. This is not a karaoke party that we're doing here, right? This is a privilege that we get to sing to the Lord. When God is our audience, He doesn't focus on the outside things. He doesn't focus on on, on our pitch. He focuses on our passion to worship him. He doesn't focus on how well are we projecting. He's focused on our posture to worship him. And so man judges our voice on the outside, but God listens to your voice based on your earnestness, your authenticity, your genuine worship, because it's not a song that we sing for others. It's a song that we sing to the Lord. It says, I will sing to the Lord. We get to sing to God, and this particular song that they sing is a song of triumph. Why? I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has thrown the horse and the rider into the sea. I will sing to the Lord. You see, it's a song of triumph. It's a song of victory of what God did to his enemies. And look what, he, what they say next in the song, verse 2. After it says that, it says, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Notice it says, the Lord is my strength and my song. Not the Lord has given me my strength and given me my song. What does it mean that it's the Lord's song? The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my song. It means it's a song all about God, not a song all about me. What does it mean that the Lord is my song? It's all about God and it has nothing to do with me. The first thing that we want to keep in mind when we sing a song of triumph is it's a song all about God. That seems like a simple concept, right? But yet we find worship songs or, or Christian songs, a lot of times it's all about me. I, 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 I. Me, 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 me. That's not what a, a song of triumph is. It's a song to God. It's all about God. It, it kind of reminds me, and this is an, an older song, right? The Carly Simon song, You're So Vain. You probably think the song is about you. Sometimes we act like that. We have that mentality, right? This song is about me. It's about my preferences. It's about what I want to do. In fact, Think about the voice for a second. This is not my notes, but I'm just, I'm thinking about this. So we know the, the show, The Voice. You have four judges. They are turned in the opposite direction of the stage. And they're listening, and when the song starts, they're listening for that voice. And if it's what they want, they think that that voice has potential and it has ability. They'll hit their button and turn around and get to see the person and say, I want you to be, I want to coach you. I want that opportunity. I think sometimes in worship, that's how we act. I think we wait for the song to start, and if it's a song that I know or if it's a song that I like, I'll wait and I'll hit my button. But if it's not interesting to me, then I just sit there and I turn off and I'm disengaged. Am I speaking to anybody? The song is not about you. The song is about worship to God, and if the lyrics are about God and honoring and glorifying him, then I'm pushing my button every time. It's not about my preferences. A song of triumph is all about God, not about me. Come on, that's a better word than you're bringing back to me. A song of praise and triumph is all about God. And listen, there is a place for songs of reflection. Not saying we can never praise God with that. It's just not a song of triumph. If you want to look for songs of reflection, we go to our friend David in the Bible. He's got all kinds of songs of reflection. Look at Psalm chapter 88, the first four verses of that. It says, "'O Lord, God of my salvation.'" I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. See, from the Bible, we see it is not wrong to communicate those things to God. We can share our emotion and how we're feeling to God. But that's not a song of triumph. We're not starting worship. You know, typically we want to start our worship with some praise, some upbeat songs, right? Something exciting, a song of triumph. But you don't want the worship team to say, hey, come on, church, let's sing together. Let's sing, my soul is full of troubles. Let's sing this together. Let's sing, I'm a man with no strength. Here we go. Bring it together, right? It doesn't exactly encourage you to worship. No, a song of triumph, it's declaring the praises of God. We're focused on who God is not who I am. We're declaring his greatness. Think about a song of triumph of David. Look at Psalm 47, verse 1 and 2. It says, Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared a great king over all the earth. Right? We can get on board with that type of to start off a worship service. Right? That's a song of triumph. We're clapping our hands. We're shouting for joy. Just, just to make sure you know, when we clap our hands together during service, we're not clapping to thank the worship team for their singing or for what I'm doing. We're clapping to praise God, right? Whenever I encourage you to clap your hands, it is not for me. It's to glorify God. The Bible says, clap your hands, shout for joy. Maybe you've heard a shout in the room before, and it scared you because you didn't expect it. But we're getting excited about what God has done in our life. There's a triumph to be excited about. A song of victory and triumph. That's, that's what we're declaring. That's what we're focusing on. And Moses and the people of Israel, they were saying, the Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. Why do they use that, that phrase, become my salvation? Because they've just been saved from the Egyptians. If the Egyptians got a hold of them, they were going back to Egypt to continue to be slaves. But they were praising God. They said, you have saved us. You are my song and you are my strength. And then it says, this is my God. And I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The people are making a declaration that God is both my God and he is my father's God. Meaning he was the God with us right here when we were in slavery, struggling in Egypt, and he's the same God that was with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob before. He is my God. And that word for praise there. That word means to celebrate, to adore, and he's the God of my fathers, because in that culture, there was a great honor, there was a high honor that you would place on the house of your father, of your parents, and so you're saying that you're not just my God, you're the God of my fathers, I'm, I'm exalting you, I'm putting you, I'm placing you, I'm elevating you in that high honor, just like I would honor my father and my mother. And then after it says that, look at verse 3. Verse 3, it says, The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. You see, from before, it said shout to God. That can mean any God. But when they say Lord, in all capital in your Bible, that means Yahweh, Jehovah. That is the one true God. The Lord is a man of war. This is the first time in the Bible that we see the great power of God in a war setting over an army. Think about that for a second. Because when you and I, when we read the Bible, we see all kinds of stories of God conquering enemies, conquering people in battle. And sure, there's a story of, of Abraham and fighting against enemies and those things, but this is an entire nation right here, is witnessing at the same time the power of God. This is actually a new revelation to them of who God is, that the Lord is a man of war. And really, the more literal translation, because we know God is not a man, it means the Lord is a warrior. We know that He's a great God. We know that He's performed miracles before us in the past. He took the the plagues and, and did all those things. But not only that, He is a man of war, He's a champion. He is able to fight and defeat an entire army for us. And my hope is that when there's a new declaration, when there's a new revelation of God in your life, there becomes a new song of praise out of your mouth. That when we see things for the first time, you see a miracle that you haven't seen before, it brings new revelation and you want to give God the glory and the praise for it because of who he is. I want to challenge you, when God reveals a new side of his power and his goodness to you, respond with a song of triumph, a song of gratitude. If he's healed you, if he's saved you, don't don't let that moment go to waste. Respond with a song of triumph. Because a song of triumph is all about who God is. And secondly, it's a song all about what God has done. A Song of Triumph, number two, is all about what God has done. Notice how it transitions from the God is my salvation, therefore he has saved me, to God is a warrior, knowing that therefore God goes before me and he fights for me and he's given me the victory. In the Song of Triumph, Moses and the people sing specifically how God has destroyed the Egyptian chariots and the waters have have destroyed them. And then look at verse 6 and 7. It says, Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. This song of triumph Is all about who God is, but also all about what God has done. The people of Israel saying, they said, Your right hand is glorious in power, it shatters the enemy. This concept of the right hand, you can see it over and over, dozens of times in the Bible. And what it means is not that God is right-handed and not left-handed. There's a blessing if you're right-handed and not, if, not, if you're not right-handed. I don't think that's true. I haven't fully worked out my theology on that. But the right hand of God means his skill and his power is going forth. David talks about his right hand, the right hand of God, in his Psalms. Actually, before that, if you go in Genesis, the very end of that chapter, of that book, there, there's a blessing that would go on the sons, from a grandfather to the sons. And it's, it's Jacob to the sons of Joseph. Do you remember this? Jacob goes and he stretches out his hands on Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and you're supposed to put the right hand on the firstborn. There's a firstborn blessing, but but actually Jacob switches it, and Joseph says, no, 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 put it right here. Here's the firstborn, and and Jacob's like, I understand, but God is telling me I'm supposed to put the blessing actually on on the secondborn here for you. He's going to be blessed too, but there's something about the right hand of power and favor. David talks about it in the Psalms. He says, the right hand will teach you awesome deeds. It says God's right hand is filled with his righteousness. Think about the, the New Testament. Where is Jesus today? He's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and me. There's something about the power of God's right hand. When it goes out, it is to move on our behalf. It's always through scripture. It is his power on display through the right hand. And this is the first time you see it here in the the verse. Look at it. It shows it a second time. Verse 11 and 12. In the song they say, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. When we're calling on God, when we're singing a song of triumph, we're calling out to who God is and what God has done with his right hand, with his power. Look at the rest of those verses. It says, you're majestic in holiness, awesome in deeds. What that means is that your holiness is unmatched. There's there's no one like you. You're saying your holiness and your awesome, it can't be compared, it can't be rivaled. And it's funny, that glorious deeds, that phrase, the word in Hebrew is actually tehillah. Deeds, it means actual praise. It, it's a praise for encouragement because no one matches God's holiness. No one matches his, his glory and his praise. And then lastly there it says, God does wonders. It's a song of triumph for who God is and what he has done, and the Israelites have just seen; they've just witnessed a mighty wonder, as they completely erase the Egyptian army. That's why we sing songs like "You've turned our mourning into dancing." We're singing what God has done. We, we sing songs like "You've turned graves into gardens, you've turned shame into glory." We sing a song of triumph because of who God is and what God has done. And one more thing about a song of triumph. You see, the song we see from verses 1 through 18, that's the complete song. But look what happens after the song was recorded in verse 20. After they've already sang the song, it says, then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? The song that Miriam and the ladies choir begins to sing is a song that Moses and all the people of Israel were just singing to the Lord. Why is that? It's because a song of triumph is a song all about God, all about what he's done, and it's a song for all of us to put on repeat. Number three, a song of triumph is a song for all to repeat. Put that type of song on repeat in your life. The song of triumph is a song that we put on repeat. I know that you've got songs that you put on repeat. I know there's some songs, right? That just goes on and off. It's a new one. You like it, you start putting it on over and over and over again because rep- repetition is how we learn a song. Sure. You don't learn the song after hearing it one time, it's over and over again. We need repetition for all types of important things in our life, right? We don't just ask our spouse or our family member to, to say they love us one time. We want that repeated, right? The important things need repeated in life, even the small things like when when are we supposed to be at that event that I really don't want to go to, but you're making me go to? What time is that again? Right? What time what I know I should have written it down. What groceries do I need? And then you get home and you forgot eggs, and that's the whole reason you went to the store in the first place. Those type of things, you gotta repeat it. You need to be reminded, maybe even write it down. That's a different message, but write it down, right? We add things, we we repeat things to get them down into our heart, to remember them, not just with our head knowledge, but with our hearts. And once you've learned the song, the reason we repeat it is to learn it so that when we're doing this songs, we just sang Plead the Blood for the first time. That's a powerful song. Trust me, we're going to repeat that song in future weeks. I-, I hope I'm not breaking any news wherever Alexa is. We're going to do that song again. That wasn't just a one-time thing. Because when you repeat it, you begin to remember it. Songs are a learning device, right? In school, songs are, are, are used to learn anything from the capital cities of our nation. Uh, you can use it to learn the books of the Bible. We, we use those to remember things. How much more should we remember a song of triumph to God? Songs are a learning devo- device, and when you learn the songs, you get more confident. I know we don't always know every single song in full unity, but imagine if we did. If every single person in this place knew, you know, how how great is our God, how great thou art, something like that. And we sang with full confidence and worship to God. What a display of praise and worship that would be to him. That's why we learn songs over and over. We begin to sing them. You know, recently, uh, Elevation Worship, a lot of good worship teams and songs out there, but Elevation came out with another uh, song called Another One recently. I don't know if you've heard that song or not, but the bridge is, in my opinion, the best part of the song, and when I first listened to it, it took some time to get used to it because it'll go things like, and if he, you know, if he broke the chains, i got to read it because I'm going to mess it up because I still don't know it fully. Uh, it says, if he told the walls when to fall, and they did, he will again. And if he told the chains when to break, and they did, he will again. And the first time when I'm listening to the song, I'm like in it. I'm like, yeah, these are great words. These are powerful, but I don't know the song yet. You, you know when you're in that halfway part between knowing it and kind of know it, and you're kind of making up your own lyrics as you go because you're not really sure. It's like, and if he told the wall when to crumble, and it did, he will again. I'm just making it up. But once I get that song over and over, I don't just listen to it one or two times, four or five or seven or eight, nine times. It gets in my heart. And I'm not focused now on what I'm saying. I'm focused on my worship to God. I'm focused on on giving God praise and exalting Him instead of the lyrics of the song because I put it on repeat. It took some repeating. And I want to encourage you to repeat songs of triumph in your life. Let it be a daily thing. And one other thing from this, this end of this passage, Moses and the Israelites, they sang in the beginning. And then the ladies reprised it, right? They, they repeated it. They continued to remind themselves. And I want to speak to a, a trend that I've seen in church. Not the gathering church, the church. There's this trend that worship and singing is for the girls and not for the guys. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure that's not a trend that's here at the gathering, okay? Okay. No one's going to amen me on that? Amen. My goodness. Worship is not just for the women. Praising God is not just for women. It doesn't mean you have to belt it out if you're, if you're shy about your voice, but sing out to God. Amen. Take some time to be confident. And don't give me this thing that men just don't sing because that's not true. Have you gone to a Columbus Crew game, an Ohio State game? All of a sudden, I hear a bunch of guys in the section saying, you know, Columbus till I die, Columbus till I die, or Columbus is the greatest team the world has ever seen. They're all chanting this out, okay? I used to be part of Nordec back before I knew Jesus, but no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You go to the Ohio State game, what are they doing? The Buckeye bounce, oh, 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 I don't see them being like, oh, I'm too shy, I can't, I don't really do that, you know, I don't get into that thing. But in worship, all of a sudden, we're like, yeah, it's not for me, too cool for that type of thing. But yet when Take Me Home Country Road comes on, what happens? Right? You can sing West Virginia Mountain Mama, but you can't sing praises to God? We sing songs of triumph, and when we put them on repeat, worship team, get up here before I lose control. I want us to have an opportunity before we leave to sing a song of triumph to God. From what we can tell in this song, one more thing from the passage. Bring up the end. Let me show you the end of Exodus 14 and the beginning of 15 real fast. Look at this transition again. It says, Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang to the Lord. Look at that again. Israel saw the great power. Skip ahead. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang to the Lord. What this says to me, Israel saw God's power and they sang to the Lord. It is believed that this was basically a spontaneous song of praise to God. They didn't know what God was going to do. You think they had been writing this for weeks or months? No, this was a spontaneous praise and worship to God. And I I don't know about you, but are there moments when you read the Bible and you just think, I wish I was there when that happened. I wish I saw that, you know? When they were forming that song and how they were probably jumping around, looking at each other, like in disbelief of what God had just done for them and how he had saved them. Sometimes a spontaneous song needs to come from our mouth. Sometimes we're supposed to sing a new song to the Lord. It's okay to learn songs together. And so I'm going to ask you, would you stand to your feet as we close today? All the Israelites were singing this song of triumph. Why were they singing this song? Because they had just witnessed the power of God. They had just witnessed a wonder, a miracle. They all saw it. Well, guess what? we all have different situations in our lives. You have witnessed things and seen things that I have not seen and vice versa. But guess where we're all on the same page? We have all been saved by the work of Jesus Christ. That is the greatest thing that we can song. That is the greatest song of triumph that we can have. And so that's what we're gonna sing about here as we close. This may be a song that you've never heard before. It came out about 20 years ago. It's a simple song, very simple, because I want you to learn it and sing it out with confidence. We're gonna sing it on repeat a couple of times till you get it down in your heart. This song is called Shout Unto God. There's simply two choruses to the song. The first chorus goes, the enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your praises loud. The second one goes, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of praise. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. That's all that the two choruses are. The enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. And then shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We're going to repeat each one of those a couple times till you get it into your heart. Are you ready to sing a song of triumph to God? Is that okay? Can we do that together? Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you,